What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the HoopsHype podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by my good friend and our HoopsHype salary cap expert, Yossi Goslin, who recently wrote an off-season preview for the Los Angeles Lakers. So now Yossi and I are going to discuss what's next for LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Plus, we'll get into the futures of Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk, and more on today's podcast episode. Yossi, always appreciate having you on, brother. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Mike. How are you doing? I'm good, my man. Appreciate you hopping on, as I said. You wrote a good piece on the Lakers offseason preview. We're going to get into that a little bit. Um, I'm going to throw in some little nuggets I've heard from around the league on these guys. But first and foremost, brother, let's take a look at Russell Westbrook, who's probably been uh, the most talked about name on the Lakers this season. During Russell Westbrook's end of the season, media availability, he implied he and Frank Vogel weren't on the same page and that Vogel didn't value what he's brought to the league based on his past few years in particular. Um, he alluded to not being allowed to let Russ be Russ when he talked about the trio with him, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. It just seemed like both sides were trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. It didn't fit. Uh, you know, when you're looking at Westbrook's $47 million player option, no team is going to pay Westbrook anything close to that $47 million player option. So if he wants to maximize his earnings, he should just opt into that deal easily and then figure it out from there, whether he does a trade or, you know, uh, anything else from there. But with that in mind, Yossi, I, I did ask a few NBA executives what they thought of Westbrook's trade value now. Obviously, that's been a hot topic of discussion. One NBA executive said Westbrook will still be viewed as a negative asset by most teams, but some teams might be willing to take on one bad year in order to shed three years of future money. Another executive said, right now his trade value is extremely negative. All it takes, however, is one team to be desperate to add talent and have bad contracts to make it happen. The reality is 95% of teams view that as a terrible contract right now. They're not doing that unless they're dumping a bunch of stuff off. And the third executive I asked said that he simply just wouldn't trade for Westbrook at all. You touched on this a little bit in your offseason preview. Uh, but when you look at Russell Westbrook and the offseason for him and the Lakers and trying to figure this out, what do you see in your forecast? Well, I don't think I think a separation of some sort is coming. I don't think the stretch a stretching wave and stretch is going to be in consideration. Uh, that would leave 15 million dollars over the next three years of dead money. It's basically three Luol Dangs. Lakers just got off Luol Dang after three years. I think they're good on that. But I think the idea that the Lakers need to attach an asset just to move Westbrook, that he's a super negative value, I think it's a little overblown because he's now a huge expiring contract. So to me, I would say he's probably closer to a neutral value than like a super negative one. And that's because I don't, you know, you, you mentioned that, uh, yeah, uh, uh, some teams wouldn't trade for Westbrook. Yeah, I don't think any team that trades for Westbrook is trading for Westbrook, the player, they're going to trade for his contract, his big expiring contract. And they'd want to look to get off some big money. Uh, you know, one deal that I think 
you know, we, we we've there's been a lot of buzz about recently is the hypothetical one where he goes to Charlotte for Gordon Hayward. And I don't even think that's necessarily worth it for the Lakers right now. So, you know, uh, I, I feel like I'd almost just keep expire, uh, let, keep Westbrook, let him expire and have some flexibility in 2023. So, um, yeah, some of these I, I imagine some of the deals are going to get offered where they're getting long term money. You know, not anything that's going to ch- change their fortunes overnight, uh, given them like like anything that will to shoot up their title odds next season. So now I imagine part of the part of the deal in acquiring Westbrook is a potential buyout. If he were to agree to one in the offseason, he'd probably give up somewhat of a premium. You know, usually the amount equal to whatever he's going to get on his next deal. That's generally how these things go. So I think if if he were to be a free agent this offseason, at most he'd get a mid-level type offer from an interested team. So the idea of a team acquiring him and then shaving an additional 5 to 10 mil off his dead cap hit, I think that might be a little appealing to some teams. I'm sure that uh, the John Wall for Russell Westbrook framework will be revisited again this offseason. And that's the the idea that Westbrook could give up more money in a buyout. That alone could incentivize Houston to do something like that. So just overall not great deals, but I imagine that the Lakers will probably do something. Uh, I have a hard time seeing him return next year. You mentioned John Wall. I'm certainly keeping an eye on John Wall with the Lakers. Um, He's been linked to the Lakers via the trade talks for Westbrook this season. Um, But as I have reported on a previous Hoopside podcast on the Rockets, John Wall is going to opt into the final year of his contract, and then he's going to give the Rockets a chance to either trade him or uh, his agency, Clutch Sports, is going to work on a buyout agreement uh, before the start of next season, ideally. Um, if if John Wall's bought out, I could certainly see him as a potential target for the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, I, one GM told me he feels John Wall can still be be a high-level backup or a fringe starter, and that he has something left in the tank. Uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if that ends up panning out or not. One guy that we know certainly has a lot left in the tank is LeBron James. Now, LeBron is going to turn 38 in December, and he's talked about wanting to play with his son in the future, possibly. I mean, he also talked about Steph Curry, too. Sure. You know, I'd I, I like to go out with a supermodel, too. Um, but he's eligible for an extension that would lock him up potentially with Anthony Davis's contract for the next few seasons. And, you know, Yossi, can you kind of break down for the listeners the pros and cons of both what LeBron can do for an extension and why it may or may not make sense for him and the Lakers coming up? So LeBron's eligible starting on August 4th for two years, $97 million. Would uh, would kick in after next season, keep him under contract through 2025. So that would be like, I believe, 22 seasons. That would keep him through season 22. Uh, I would guess that the Lakers will probably put that offer on the table as soon as it's available. And August 4th, by then, the Lakers offseason will most mostly be complete. Most teams will be like, you know, 90% done with their offseasons. So by then, 
you he should have an idea of how how he feels about the team, how he feels about the roster uh, after they've done their moves and see if he wants to commit to them for another two years. And if I had to guess, I would I would guess that he does not extend with the Lakers for a couple of reasons. One, he can sign it up until the end of next season, uh, June 30th of next year. Two, uh, maybe he wants to keep the pressure on the Lakers organization after the season they just had. And three, he's LeBron James. As long as he's playing at this level next year, which I think is a really good chance that's more likely than not, a max contract will be available to him. So I don't think he's going to lose, uh, lose any money on the table. Um, extending LeBron does come with a little bit of caveats for the Lakers because right now they are projected to have over 60 million cap space in 2023 with only Anthony Davis and Taylor Horton Tucker under contract. So extending LeBron to that maximum amount would eliminate that. But I think we can also agree that there's a stronger likelihood that the Lakers won't have cap space anyways, because there's a good chance they're going to take on long-term money for uh, in a Westbrook deal. So, um, I, I'm sure Lakers will, will offer it and, you know, if he can, but he's just not in a rush, but I would imagine he's not really going to give up that max money. Now, just indulge me on this because I know this, this isn't going to happen, but. Oh boy, I here do, we go. I'm, know, I'm, I'm bracing myself. Because <laughs> I don't, I think the odds of the Lakers reshaping the roster into a contender next season, it's pretty low. I think they have a better chance by taking a step back uh, that could get them back sooner. My crazy idea, they tank next year. They still have their pick for next season. Uh, they could bottom out. There's some really uh, potentially generational talents with uh, Imani Bates and Victor, Victor Winbanyama. Uh, whether or not you – and I'm not saying uh, you know to rebuild, but now you'd, you'd have a high, top, uh, a high draft pick, two additional future first you could trade next offseason, and then would it be – uh, would LeBron consider resigning with them for the minimum in 2023 so they can use their max cap space to get another guy? Look, this is just an insane pipe dream. I know it's not going to happen. I just wanted to get that out there because I'm think there. My my feeling is if there is some kind of path where if they were to take a step back this coming season, I think they could get back into it next season. But obviously, LeBron is going to be turning 38. Uh, he's not going to waste any time. He's got a super tight window and um and you know the lakers aren't going to want to waste it waste that window either you you mentioned about it kind of being a pipe dream um i gotta i gotta talk to your wife denise we gotta get some drano uh we gotta clean those pipes um i the only reason i jokingly say that with you is because um it's def that is definitely a hot take um yeah now Zero, one percent chance of that happening. I'm yeah, just, I mean, I just, I, I would say probably not. And I, and I appreciate you and you know, indulging in that uh, because I, I'm going to tell you right now, there's always at least a handful of fans that always think that somewhere along the way. And there is a debate that you know what's better for LeBron or what's better for the long term future of the Lakers is uh, a little bit of a differing thing right now. You know, LeBron being 38, you also got to remember Rob Palinka and the Lakers just got rid of Frank Vogel. Um, so the bullseye is now on Rob Palinka's back to reshape this roster. And I don't see him going that route. Also with the way the new lottery, 
odds are it, it, it totally changes the dynamic there um, and who you can get. Um, I, I really don't know if I see LeBron re-signing for a minimum ever. Um, I think LeBron, you know, took like a little bit of a pay cut to go to Miami. Um, but that was a generational decision. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest thing here, Yossi, is that uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis believe that they can be the foundation of a contender when they're both fully healthy. Now, I know that's a bit of an asterisk with Anthony Davis in particular. Um, LeBron has also missed some time over the past few years, but generally speaking, he's usually pretty healthy. Um, you know, some people kind of wondered, well, maybe would the Lakers kind of dangle Anthony Davis? Cause that would be a really good trade piece if they ever did that. I personally don't see that. Um, you know, I just, you know, you see a lot of people speculating and wondering cause people got to write stuff, right? I don't see that. I, I see the two of them remaining in unison together, um, Ultimately, Anthony Davis went to Clutch Sports to facilitate facilitate the trade to get to the Lakers in the first place. Um, he and LeBron have a good uh, relationship, so I don't necessarily see that uh, happening. You know, what do you think, brother? Yeah, I think Davis and LeBron are going to continue to stay in LA. Uh, you know, Davis he did just have not just last season was a down year, but the season before was also a down year. Both arguably is two worst seasons since his rookie season and look health has been a big issue he hasn't been the dominant force he was two years ago when they won the championship i think he could still get back to being a top 10 player again but it probably needs to happen this season um you know he might not go back to being the same guy he exactly was but also have a hard time seeing him not improve uh off these last two seasons uh they're going to keep him long term I and I remember when Davis signed his five year max uh, two years ago after the Lakers won the title and people were wondering if he left money on the table, including myself, since he could have become a free agent this offseason and then got an even bigger max. But, uh, you know, maybe he still would have gotten it despite everything that happened the past two years. But I'm I'm given everything that happened. I, I think he can safely say he made a good decision. Well, well, I don't think they're going to shop Anthony Davis on the trade market. Uh, I would be shocked if Taylor Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn and multiple first-round picks are not dangled on the trade market this summer for the Lakers. Um, when you look at their roster outside of their core um, of LeBron and AD, that's really the only way for them to try to improve the team. I don't think it's necessarily going to net back – anything of consequence. I mean, they tried to do that obviously before the trade deadline and it did not. So I can't necessarily see that much changing in the off season unless they alter their asking price in terms of what they're looking for. Um, to me, I, I really just find it tough for them unless they're going to somehow, you know, try to consolidate Russell Westbrook's contract into multiple pieces somehow and almost do the reverse of what they did when they made the trade for him with the Washington Wizards. Yeah, the way I view these guys, they're purely salary filler. I'm sure there's some teams that are interested in them. Uh, they can con- maybe can contribute to them. Um, but yeah, I'm sure they're going to be putting that, uh, packaging them together, see what they can get. They'll, 
I would guess that the Lakers ideally want to trade Westbrook without attaching any picks, get some several role players to fill out the roster. Um, and then they'll try to package uh, Horton Tucker and Nunn for something else. Uh, both players together can bring back close to $20 million in salary back. Maybe they attach a pick there and see what they can get. Uh, nothing super exciting, but I think that's the path they're going to try to attempt uh, to go after again. Well, you know, while they've got to figure out uh, these type of guys in the middle of the roster there, one guy for them that I thought really had a good year last year was Malik Monk. Malik Monk was a bright spot for the Lakers this season, and he, he gave them great value while playing on a minimum contract, and he set himself up for a pay raise this summer in the process. Now, I know you can speak to this from a cap perspective, why it might be uh, a little bit tougher for them to, to keep him. But, you know, with that in mind, you know, you kind of have your – it's early, but we have our crystal ball to kind of preview what the offseason is going to look like in free agent values. So I spoke to four NBA executives who – projected Malik Monk to earn an average annual salary somewhere between the taxpayer and the non-taxpayer mid-level exception as of now. So that would project to be somewhere between roughly the 6 to $10 million annual range. Uh, one executive I spoke to specifically said uh, Malik had a good year. I was surprised he was a minimum guy last year. I thought he should have been worth more than that. If you put Monk on a good team, his scoring and his shooting is really important. Um, Yossi, when you look at Malik Monk's situation for the Lakers going into the offseason, this is a guy that surely they'd want to keep. Um, what do you think his value is and how they could potentially try to re-sign him this summer? I would – my feeling is – he should at least get uh, the tax pyramid level starting at 6.4 mil. That is the most the Lakers can offer him. Otherwise, they could only give him a starting salary of about two and a half million, which is slightly more than his minimum. So the question is, what do the Lakers want to do? With, how, do how do they want to prioritize their mid-level? Because I think there's a pretty good chance that – you know, they can get outbid for him. If there's plenty of teams with the full mid-level. Uh, I, 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 I think he will, I think there's, you know, he would love the return to the Lakers, but if there's a team that significantly outbids the Lakers, I, I think that possibility is real and they should prepare for that. So one thing may, what if they do a Westbrook trade and in it, they really replace him with another shooting guard just to be proactive. Cause they have an, you know, just in case he, they can't uh, match an offer for him. Uh, that's something I could see happening. And then maybe they can use their mid-level elsewhere. Like they need, they need help just about, uh, everywhere else. Um, you know, if they can, so if they can get some, like one trade, I, I'm sure, you know, that, uh, I've, I've, I think I speculated on in my, I, in my offseason articles, what if, the, the Knicks decide they want to get off some long-term money like Randall and Fournier, and then also throw in some other role players like, Erlens Noel, Derrick Rose, Kemba Walker types, and then to get Westbrook to get off that long-term money. Well, now you could get a couple of guards right there potentially in Burks and Fournier. Makes it a little easier to soften the blow in case Monk leaves. Uh, I'm sure we're going to, you know, maybe we'll hear about that um, 
uh, a potential that the hypothetical Pacers trade where they could get Buddy Heald back. If you have Buddy Heald, then also that would uh, soften the blow if Monk leaves. So, um, yeah, I, I think I would I would definitely just see what they're going to do with the Westbrook trade because if they can replace if they can get a guard now, that might just answer uh, what happens with him with Monk. That Knicks hypothetical trade would be interesting on a lot of fronts. Obviously, Obi Toppin has been great for them and kind of broke out uh, towards the end of the year when Julius Randle kind of sat out for a few games there. That that would be interesting for me. And again, as you talked about, it's more about his contract, not necessarily as much uh, him as a player um, and, and in that regard there. Now, you know, what's interesting, we're talking about all these moves, right, that the Lakers could do, whether it's trades, trying to keep guys and whatnot. The guy making those decisions is Rob Palenka. Now, Rob Palenka, I think, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, the bullseye's a little bit on his back. You know, the Lakers went away from uh, their defensive identity and what made them good. Now, they lost Alex Caruso, guys like JaVale McGee over the years. I think those were underrated losses that people didn't really factor in. Um, you know, he, he recently talked about, you know, being part of the Lakers brain trust. And he mentioned Kurt Rambis is one of the great minds in the Lakers front office. I'm just going to let that simmer a little bit on the skillet. Um, now, in, in terms of what he did with Vogel, I, I was asking some other executives around the league what they thought. And I, Basically, their assessment was it was clear that Frank was the scapegoat. Um, one executive said to me, Frank was definitely the scapegoat. One more year for that front office. And if the results don't drastically improve, they could be in line for some more changes. Another executive said to me, uh, Vogel, again, was the scapegoat. There was no question about that. I don't think they treated him very well on the way out. I'm sure he'll be fine. He's very well respected in the coaching community. He'll be able to pick up uh, a spot as a high-level assistant if that's something he wants to do. I also think that Joe uh, that Frank Vogel could have a shot to replace Joe Gatto on Impractical Jokers. I don't know if anybody has uh, put those two on a side-by-side profile. I certainly think uh, that can happen. But, you know, Yossi, and kind of wrapping on those two guys for me um, – I think there's a lot. I think there's some some pressure, obviously, on Rob Palinka to improve this team and get them back uh, to championship contention. You know, they they showed him uh, in a video saying something about like that they could be the most talented team ever um, when he assembled them. There's a video of it. Our friend Ralph Mason Jr. had uh, put it on Twitter. If you guys don't know who he is, he's a, he's a fun guy to follow. Um, and a big Laker fan, you know, so I would encourage you to check that out. But uh, I got a kick out of that. I just think there's a lot more eyes on Rob Palinka right now. And the coaching hire is going to be uh, immensely critical. I thought, you know, Vogel did a fair job. I mean, obviously, they won a title with the guy. You're never going to be you're never going to take that away from him. Um, I just think they got away from their defensive identity with their core and the players that they had. Um, they obviously got a lot of older guys. That's why, you know, when, when we were talking about uh, a year ago, when we were talking about kind of previewing the Lakers going into the season, 
Uh, one executive joked that they were the L.A. ARP Lakers, and uh, it, it turned it, it came to fruition. Um, I thought they would certainly be better than what they were, but they weren't. Um, I, I th- that's just my kind of thoughts on on looking at it. As far as like the coaching search, I haven't heard too much yet on it, other than some of the stuff that's been floated out there. Um, I do think they're going to take a little bit of time with it, but. Uh, you know, they got a month to go till the draft combine, so they're going to have to figure it out pretty soon here, um, looking at it from from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, the the one thing that really sticks out from all that is, you know, they had you talk about the minimum players. They had 10 minimum players last uh, this, this season. I don't know. I can't really recall a team that went that deep in minimum players. And the reason I'm not very optimistic is largely because most likely next season they will have a lot of minimum players still taking up most of their depth. And, you know, you can argue, you can look at the Warriors and, okay, yeah, they they struck on Otto Porter and Andre Iguodala, Gary Payton, Bielitsa, but that stuff never really happens uh, to go like four for four, five for five on minimum signings like that. So, you know, even if they're going to load up on depth, from a, in a Westbrook deal, get three or four players back. There's, we'll see. I don't know how. I'm still a little skeptical of how if they can have adequate depth still. So we will see, um, and it'll be a big challenge. I'm very fascinated to see just how they what they do this off season because that's going to be the big uh, one of the big storylines. Yeah, and I mean, you look at a team. Uh, you know, when I think of guys that had all those minimums, you think of Miami Heat. Maybe in the beginning when LeBron, Wade, and Bosch all joined forces, um, it's hard to find those kind of diamond in the rough guys. I mean, look at the Warriors right now. Look at all the guys that they have, um, you know, on on small deals that they hit on. Yeah, you got, you got guys like Gary Payton Jr. You got Juan Toscano Anderson. It's uh, it's not it's not easy to do. Um, so for them, I think uh, that's going to be another challenge that they're going to have to figure out. Um, yeah, that Miami Heat team, that's actually actually a really good comparison. I'm looking at them right now. It's basically LeBron, Wade, Bosch, and then like Mike Miller, Haslam, Chalmers, and that was it. Like you can go through the rest of the team, just uh, maybe the rest of it may be just as, uh, as dry as the Lakers veteran minimums this, off se- this season. But, um, you know, different results, obviously. Yeah, and I mean, I, I just looking at the Warriors again, it's like it's very rare you're going to get minimum guys like Andre Iguodala, Otto Porter, Nemanja Belizia. Um I talked about Juan Toscano Anderson and, and Gary Payton. Uh, the second, I think that, you know, for the Lakers, how how are they going to find those diamond and the rough guys? Can they find those two-way guys that are going to move the needle for them? Um, you know, I still think L.A., is a decently attractive destination to play. It's a big market. I think they'll be fine there and trying to get guys. They just got to land uh, the the right pieces there. I think obviously a lot of it is going to be finding the right role players as well to complement those guys. They definitely need to upgrade the bench. It was not uh, deep enough. And and I think a lot of it is going to start with what they do with Russell Westbrook. Like I, I just can't see how those three are going to, make that work next year. I know they didn't play a lot of games together, but even when they were on the floor, I, I didn't see the results changing much. Yep. Yeah, not much sad there. But uh, 
you'll see it's going to be a busy offseason for the Lakers. I appreciate you joining me. It was a good article for those that may not have seen it yet. Make sure you check it out on HoopsHype.com. Uh, I also want to thank everybody else for tuning in. And if you want to hear more episodes of the HoopsHype podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Yossi too. He's at Yossi Goslin, Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.